April 21st, 2023. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
Watford Pedro show. Happy Friday. Started off with, oh yeah, happy B-Day Ig. 76, 76 B-Days orbits around the sun for the bow of the boat Ig. I remember playing the bumper shoot, I think, in Seattle because the Devo guys couldn't play, so the Stooges stepped in. <laughs> Beautiful gig. Ah, you can tell people I'm not man alone because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got Ryan. Ryan, uh, uh, I, I want to say your name right, so don't want to fuck it up. Yeah, sure. It's Carraher. Carraher. Okay, okay. A little Irish. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we got to give a big credit to uh, Randolph for uh, making the connect and stuff. And I, I want to, I love the stuff you gave me. I want to learn about your journey through music. So please bring your earliest uh, musical recollection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everything kind of started with the guitar. Um, uh, my family wasn't very musical, but my dad would always kind of play for fun around the house. He had this uh, kind of really old Yamaha classical guitar. The fingerboard was so worn from all these years of just playing it for fun. And the first kind of real music memory I have is walking into the garage one day and my dad was playing uh, Ripple by the Grateful Dead. And uh, I don't know what it was particularly about that song, but it just sounded cool to me. I must have been in like fourth grade or third grade. Um, so I asked him to teach it to me. Oh, um, wow. And that kind of started my journey there. Was it one of them nylon strings? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was self-taught? Yeah, like he played a lot. Like during his youth, teenage years, uh, he would always carry the guitar around and just kind of uh, mess around with it. And that was, you know, one of the songs in his repertoire, along with, you know, Blackbird, um, that kept coming up over the years. Bla the Paul and McCartney? I just dug it. Paul McCartney? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And uh, and it was the same nylon string. You said the fretboard was all worn. That's that's bitching. Where's it now? He still has it. He still plays oh, great. it. Um, I've, I've played it. It's a great guitar. Yeah. There's something workhorse. about that, right? Old wood. There's nothing like old wood. You can't replace it with new wood. <laughs> You can, Absolutely but it's not. gonna sound different. Yeah. So, so uh, that answers my question about any instruments in the pad. Obviously, there and uh, shit, and and you got taught on it from him. That's beautiful. Uh, what about first record you bought with your own money? Ooh, the first record I bought with my own money. That's taken me back. Well, I you know, when you're was, a kid, you ain't got um, a lot of money. That's why I asked that question. You know, like, what are you gonna spend <laughs> your money on? You ain't got a lot, right? Yeah, I, I remember, I, I think it must have been, um, I forget the name of the album, but it was the Pantera album with Cowboys from Hell on it. Okay. Um, and I, I remember, uh, I was, I don't know, I was just, I, I was taken with the album cover with the rattlesnake uh, on it. And yeah. I think I returned it because <laughs> I wasn't ready for Pantera. But uh... I remember when <laughs> I heard that, I thought right away of Henry Rollins. That, 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 oh, yeah? Yeah, that guy... Uh... Can't remember his name, Phil, or something. He kind of sings like Hank, you know, for Square John, like what? As far as that, you know, genre. I ain't good at genre anyway. Fuck it, music's music. So, what about the first gig you saw? Uh, okay. <laughs> this is always yeah. I like the first actual concert I I went to was uh probably probably Nickelback, which yeah. I got a lot of shit for. <laughs> uh, 
but it was a good show. You know, I must have been in like seventh grade or or something. It was the first like big actual rock show, uh, you know, that I went to. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was a good it was a good time, you know, with the family. Okay. Uh, See, so a good show. And what about at school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? No, I mean, I like music was kind of my thing when I was young. Like I was a pretty quiet kid in school, kind of kept to myself. But like music was what I would, you know, come home to. And I would just, you know, kind of practice all the time. And it was kind of more of an extracurricular thing I would do with uh, with friends as opposed to kind of the uh, school circuit. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times people don't even pick that shit, right? You just it's a situation or schools <clears throat> fucking get rid of their programs. They don't even have it. So that's why yeah, I asked that question. That's very true. I'm just I'm just wondering out loud, you know. Uh, you know, everybody's got their own path how they got to here through music, and so that's why I love uh, learning about every individual's way because there's so many different ways. So now I'm not talking about graduating, but in the afternoon after school, the bedroom band, the basement band, the garage band, you got into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to do this program. Um, it was called the School of Rock. It used to be called the Paul Green School of Rock. It's what the Jack Black movie is kind of based on, I believe, if I remember the lore correctly. Uh, but it was just kind of an after school thing I would go to uh, with, you know, other kids like my age that were into music. And, uh, you know, we would learn, you know, classics like you, we would spend three months working on, you know, Black Sabbath music or Led Zeppelin music or something, and then perform it at a venue after three months. Um, so I, I got you know a lot of my so music socialization and performance skills like in that. But then I also kind of branched out and had some bands in the basement. I'm sure you know the family and the neighbors were very pleased uh, with those <laughs> high school metal bands. Probably, um, especially yeah. the, uh, the drummers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure they were thrilled when they would see the drummer walking through the door like oh i thought you weren't having band practice today <laughs> right 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 so and, and you guys were you like me and d boone in the 70s you know you just try to learn sh shit off records or were you composing yet uh, <clears throat> yeah like for when i was doing like my time at the school of rock like i would try to figure things out by ear and i was taking lessons and uh, kind of learning those those tunes and then when it was time to kind of do my own thing with the band uh, we started kind of writing our own music and you know trying to get some some tunes together and playing them live did some of these bands have names not not the school of rock uh, ones but the you know the the homebrew yeah, like so, I was the high school band I was in was called Euthanasia, which turns out there was probably like twenty thousand <laughs> yeah, other bands with the same name. Um, but it was, it was a fun experience. Euthanasia UK. <laughs> That's how you can always fix that problem. Just put UK at the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or put like two A's or something yeah, at, right. at the end to change it up. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, okay. You remember the first Euthanasia gig? Uh, the first gig, or yeah, maybe it, was it wasn't a, any um, gigs. Maybe it was just a, a jam band. We did we did some local gigs, like we did some okay. like battle of band stuff. Um, we played at like a VFW hall for some reason one time. I don't really remember the reason why, uh, but we just did some local stuff, mostly attended by you know friends and family that type of thing. And uh, the material. 
Uh, the material was like progressive metal. Uh, it was really you're into right kind it. of prog metal at high school. You're kind of, you're, but you're writing it, right? It's your version of that. Yeah, so it was, I was in it, the band with myself, my brother, and then we had a drummer. Uh, so my brother and I would, uh, my brother also plays guitar. So we would uh, kind of spend time writing together and kind of collaborate. Was it a trio? Yeah, it was a trio. Sometimes we would have a bassist and a Yeah, vocalist I was going to ask, tunes. where's the fucking, you know, ain't the better of that poor lonely kick drum? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were quite down-tuned guitars, like you eight strings. Oh, yeah, stuff, that's right. So the bass right. sometimes muddy it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we went through some different incarnations. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, because everybody's got to come from. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys were writing. So your brother would write, and you would write, and how, how would that be? Like uh, collab, or like this is your song, this is my song. I was, it would collab, you know, he would, we would like, well, we were, I, you know, I came up with this riff or he'd be like, I came up with this riff. Is yeah. there a way that we can make these work together? Are, um, should they be together? Are they different pieces? You know, um, and uh, then we would get together with the, our drummer or whoever else was in the band at the time. It was kind of a revolving door situation um, and kind of flesh those ideas out. Okay. Okay. And, and mainly instrumental. Or, or did you put in spiel uh, words? Yeah, like it started out mainly instrumental, and there was like a few months towards the end of that enterprise where we had kind of a vocalist with us. <laughs> All right, the enterprise. And this is still euthanasia, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Look, you gave me this music here. Rain Eater. Let me play it. Thank you. 
even sometimes offended by very friendly light. How
your color? Who mixes your color? Who mixes your color? It's the order of things. As the spirit wanes, the form appears. Radiated robot men stalk each other. Radiated robot men stalk each other. I just put Billy Boy to bed. As the spirit wanes, the form appears. It's the order of things. Each one gets a taste of honey, then the nut. Radiated robot men stalk each other. Radiated robot men. As the spirit wanes, the form appears. Radiated robot men stalk each other. Radiated robot men. Radiated robot men stalk each other. Who mixes your color? Who mixes your color? Spirit wanes. It's the order of things. Each one gets a taste of honey, then the knife. What's a monkey do all day? What's a monkey do all day? He just swings and swings and swings, swings away. What's a snake do all day? What's a snake doing all day? He just slithers, slithers, and slithers away. Oh, but what? Man do all day. He just lies and he cheats and he steals away. Shakes hands with the devil, then they start to play. And that's what man he does all day. That's what he does all day. What's a spider do all day? What's a spider do all day? He just spins and spins and spins. Spins away. What's a lion doing all day? What's a lion do all day? He just roars and roars and roars, roars away. Oh, but what does man do all day? 
tells lies and he cheats and he steals away. He shakes hands with the devil, then they start to play. And that's what man he does all day. I said, that's what man he does all day. That's what he does all day. Now what's an oak tree do all day? What does an oak tree do all day? He just blows and grows and blows, blows away. What's a baby do all day? What's a little bitty baby do all day? He just cries and cries and cries, cries away. Cheats and he steals away, shakes hands with the devil, then they start to play, and that's what man does all day. I said, That's what man does all day. That's what he does all day. That's what man does all day. That's what he does all day.
Pedro Show, that chunk of music started off with Ryan Carraher and Eric Von Dam doing Rain Eater. Then Vic Chestnut with friendly, very friendly lighthouses. The Chunks, fire engines, uh, the bass player's from Scotland. He wants everyone to know that. Uh, Cod O'Dell, O'Donnell, sorry, Cod O'Donnell with Cats and Clavier. Uh, Bill Nelson, uh, this guy played guitar for uh, Bebop Deluxe. Well, it was his band, and he's still making like 10 records a year or something in his pad up in Yorkshire, part of England. And my old buddy, Tony, pool cleaner friend, Tony Platt, and he was way, I remember uh, Bill Nelson was playing up in Hollywood at the Tower Records, so I took Tony up there to get his guitar picked and and Bill Nelson, man, it looked like he could floss with razor wire. <laughs> he had some gaps between the teeth. But a very nice man. Then Jeb Lloyd Nichols, what does a man do all day? And we're always asking ourselves that. And Ryan Carter and Eric Von Dahm with Lockspur. Hope I pronounced that right. Okay, so this enterprise, what causes the termination of this enterprise? Uh, still talking euthanasia, yeah, the yeah. band. <laughs> well, that's where I heard that word, and because I, I think you're the first one in 22 years to call their music project enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> My pop was on that uh, air, uh, nuclear aircraft carrier he's a machinist, mate. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like that. Um, yeah, I don't know why I call it the Enterprise. It's a, no, no, it's just because maybe you got the th- no. Watts got the thesaurus out. That's how I knew how. It I kind of like it, uh, <laughs> but it just kind of like dissolved. You know, like um, we got older, um, and I started kind of getting ready for you know kind of college auditions, and I was getting into jazz at the time. Ah, so you you're going to take music to higher education? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, I did it all the way through. I just finished my doctorate uh, last year. In oh, music. great. Great. Where, what, what school? Uh, so I did my doctorate at uh, University of Washington uh, out here in Seattle sure. in uh, music composition. 
um, did the master's at Tufts University in oh. Medford, kind of near Boston. And then I did uh, undergrad at Berklee College of Music for jazz guitar over in Boston. Yeah, because there's a Medford in uh, Oregon, right? Otherwise known so, as yeah. Medford. <laughs> That's what people told me. <laughs> you know, like uh, Spokane. It's uh, like the, the southern version of Spokanistan, right? That's what <laughs> locals tell me anyway. But, okay, so, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and also projects kind of run their course. And, and then with your brother, was he, is he an older brother? He's a younger brother. He actually started before I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. So were you taking uh, direction from him? He has a better ear than I do. Ah, that's beautiful. Um, that you so, didn't let that progenitor shit get in the way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we were, uh, you know, working together. And it was like a pretty kind of even playing field with us. And, you know, he's always had a great ear. Uh, so, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun working with him back in the day there. Yeah. So, but... Now you move on. Uh, this is where you go back east, and you don't go to Berkeley. Well, you know what? I've had a lot of cats on the show that've gone to Berkeley out there in Boston. I did, yeah. I um, so I, I did my undergrad at Berkeley College. Oh, Musical you did, you did. Yep. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. you got at Tufts. You got the, the masters. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And and what, and what I hear about Berkeley is is a lot of good connects. I mean, there's some good teachers too and shit, but connects, right? You meet other music people. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, that's kind of the main draw, um, I think, is, you know, the uh, the environment there, especially in Boston, where there's so many colleges and university kind of concentrated in a very small area. Yep. And they all have music programs. So there's always a kind of phenomenal community and a lot of happenings yeah. all the time. So there's no shortage of events to attend or open mic nights. Um or people that play your music. Once they got into composition, there was always a um, a very fruitful uh, kind of collaboration pool uh, with like-minded individuals. Um, which is just a great environment over there. Like a corral, stable. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, first time I saw Berkeley School of Music, it was the ID card on the Richard Hell and the Voidoid record sleeve. It had Bob Quine's ID card. It's like, oh yeah. Whoa, yeah, Bob Quine. Berkeley School of Music. Yeah, I remember it. I got to record with him. It was a couple of years after this. And uh, he told me the first guy I saw play electric guitar was Buddy Holly in Akron, Ohio, 1957. And that's wow. the year I was born. Yeah, trip. And everybody said, he's really mean. He's going to tear your head off. And he was the nicest man in the world to me. <laughs> so don't believe that shit. Okay, so when you're over there uh, getting educated, were you also parallel universe doing bands? Um, you know, I mean, like gigs and writing stuff, uh, not for class, but, you know, bands. Um, not not for like the first half there. Like I was a really serious student. Like I would, you know, practice, you know, eight to ten hours a day. Whoa. Um, uh, so I was like, really into it, trying to, you know, get my jazz and fusion chops up. Um, uh, what, what, what guitar? What could, let me ask you your opinion. Then you're, you're uh, aware of Wes Montgomery. What's your opinion of him? I love Wes Montgomery. Uh, you know, like John, love, Coltrane asked, uh, John Coltrane uh, asked him to join his band. I'm sorry, what would you say? John Coltrane asked Wes Montgomery to join his band. Oh, wow, that would have been something. And here's what, you know, I, I read a book on him, and he played a tenor guitar until he was 20. He didn't play a six-string guitar until after 20. 
Really? Oh, wow. Didn't make his first album until he was 36. Yeah, incredible cat. You know, interesting story. And that thing with the finger, you know, not using a pick. So trippy. But but what, what guitar players were you looking up to? Um, I kind of... Uh... Kind of guitar ideal at the time, and probably still is, is Alan Holdsworth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I was into the modern kind of jazz guys, and kind there was synthes- Mike Moreno, Kurt Rosenwinkel. Um, kind of Alan synthesizer uh, guitar, right? Didn't he get into that? Yeah, like the headless kind of tiny guitars. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that stuff. I had I had one of his signature models for a while. It was a great guitar. Wow. Okay, so not like the Jim Hall, you know, Kenny Burrell. Okay, but more of the like the now would you would you say there's a difference between what you were listening to and what people call fusion? Like I've I've never like it's when I hear fusion it's like when people say like the word postmodern or something it's like it's like this catch-all <laughs> term to me that I've never kind of narrowed down to what exactly they may mean it means a lot of different things to me but um I don't know. I was just taken by the kind of outside playing. That is one aspect of fusion um, of kind of trying to stretch the changes and kind of challenge yourself and those that you're playing with into new kind of harmonic territory, which I think is something Holdsworth is, you know, famous for doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but like everybody playing lead guitar, even if you're on the drums and bass, (laughs) (laughs) lots of notes. (laughs) You, oh, know, yeah. you know, human yeah. beings, it seems human beings, the, the more they do something, the more of more of more, they, they, they usually don't get more econo, right? They, they More and more and more and more. That's why bass is kind of trippy. Like you get punished. You get so small. You play too many notes. You get very small. <laughs> <laughs> There's a justice there. So, so it's so interesting. So do you, but you say at first you didn't put together any groups, just prac for your studies. But then you start to? Yeah, like during um, that time, I mean, I've always also been into uh, composition as well. So like during that time, you know, the the first three years when I was at Berkeley, I was also working on some kind of tunes that became my uh, first album called Vocturnal. So kind of in my last year and a half of uh, kind of Berkeley, I, you know, got some uh, players together and we started, you know, kind of rehearsing and got into the studio, um, kind of my last year there and, you know, started doing some local playing and playing down in New York as well. I-95 tour. Maybe some yeah. Providence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe some New Haven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when us Minutemen were first touring, we were thinking, God, New England, all those gigs so close. You know, because us on the, on the West Coast, you know, our gigs are pretty far between. I-5 tour, right? Look, we're at the yeah. end of the first hour. Um, but then we didn't realize about the winter. <laughs> they got weather there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's so, brutal in the winter. Yeah, right, right. So be careful for what you wish for. We're at the first hour, uh, April 21, 2023. Dish of Peter, so special guest Ryan Carraher. Hold tight for hour two. April 21, 2023. It's the second hour of Watt from Pedro Show.
pinged on the phone. Predictor of grade logic and dumb like wrote eco nomics coagulated pathless self it built os. against your creator at birthday parties. Sing hymns to the induction moment and dance with a cane under a menu of possibilities. I wanted to fly from the roof and I fell.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Ryan Carr with I wanted to fly from the roof and I fell. Well, Icarus theme tema. Yes. Chas Smith after that with distance. And then finally, Ryan Carr. These are some long pieces, people. Colors, he says, to the screen's black lattice. I love that. That's a great. When do you come up with the titles? At the end, beginning, or middle? It it depends. Yeah, I mean, with that, with uh, Colors, he says to the screen's black lattice, that was, uh, it's a quote from a David Foster Wallace short story. So it just, as soon as I saw that or read that, it just kind of inspired, you know, peace or like this should be set aside for a title. Yeah, um, the infinite jest guy, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. I I, uh, I asked that question because I got to start with the title or I got no focus. Everybody else, they always add it at the end. So I'm glad you're... You, you're open-minded to do either way. And like the title was just sitting there waiting for you to bring the music, right? Okay. That's bitching. Uh, now, now, now this, where, 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 you know, this kind of stuff, does this come from your Berkeley experiences? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I, like, I enjoyed my time at Berkeley, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it was, very interesting doing, you know, uh, entering into music as kind of academia. Um, and I was kind of very disheartened by it about halfway through Berkeley. Um, I felt a bit kind of artistically constrained, uh, in that environment. Um, and I don't know, I felt like I wasn't like giving, exploring something where I could kind of express myself. Like I've always valued artists and looked up to artists like, uh, you know, Miles Davis and Devin Townsend who kind of always evolve, you know, uh, whatever is kind of in their inner ears, what is expressed through their output. They don't kind of pigeonhole themselves. No, not at all. And and I'll tell you, Miles Davis, another talent. He knew how to pick bands. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's not one of these guys. I'm going to look good by having a bunch of lame guys play with me. I'm going to get the best dudes I can in my band. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he knew how to create, you know, a community. Yeah, uh, yeah. For sure. And, and and it was trippy around that, kind of evolved different kind of movements of music, you know, scenes and shit. Not not that he invented them, because I think he would pick up, I know, reading his uh, Quincy Troop book, like Tony Williams, 17 years old, is turning them onto these cats. But hey, Ornette Coleman, yeah, you're making noise, but maybe I want to make noise like <laughs> But I'll do it the Miles way, you know. Yeah, interesting uh, kind of. So you you weren't finding that at at, at Berkeley. No, I mean I, I found that like I mean we were talking about West Montgomery before, and I yeah, do love yeah. West, West Montgomery, but it was just like at Berkeley, like as a guitar player, you know, you were kind of judged based on how basically West West Montgomery was like the litmus test of how good of a guitar player oh, really? you are. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, so I just pulled. <laughs> Because I uh, just no, love the idea sense. of John Coltrane asking this guitar guy to be in his band, and he said, "No." He said he thought the music was too hard. That yeah, that's wild. I, yeah, I want to know more about that. But story there's for a sure. great cover he does of Impressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you must know that one, right? Is maybe a year or two because he died young too. Maybe a year or two after John Coltrane. Uh, inter- but the whole idea of you know, that shit goes on, though, right? Like, they use giants, John Coltrane's giant steps to cut each other. You know, who can do 500 beats a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's um, like, uh, like so Berkeley, they, I don't know if they still do this, but they have a, a rating system uh, where they assign you a number based on, like, how good you are. 
Um, and that yeah. number determines the classes that you can like sign up for it. It shows up right next to your name on the course roster. Oh, so like, um, <laughs> it was, it was quite like mechanical and impersonal and they never tell you what the difference between say a five and a six is. It just seems arbitrary. Yeah. Um, but like it was that kind of very uber competitive environment and kind of, um, kind of trying to pigeonhole you. I mean, like there, there's like a, you know, like if you want to learn how to play something, you should steep yourself in it. And I enjoyed that aspect of it, but I kind of wanted more just based on how I wanted to express myself uh, personally. So I got into the composing side of things, which was always something I, I did, but I moved away from the guitar and the jazz idiom into kind of more noisy classical idiom. And that's where kind of pieces like uh, Colors, he says, to the screen's Black Lattice, which I did uh, my first year of my master's. And uh, I want to fly from the roof and I fell. Uh, that's where those kind of come from. And you're not really composing on guitar. You're using what, a keyboard, a piano? I just sit at the desk and uh, oftentimes make sounds with my mouth. So I'm yeah. sure that uh, I'll be evicted from my apartment from neighbor's complaints. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm weighing. You know, when you mentioned that number shit with the Berkeley thing, I was thinking maybe early version of AI and algorithms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, as I said, like I've left Berkeley in 2016. Um, I don't know if they're still doing that stuff, uh, but yeah, it was kind of exactly that. Here's something live you gave me. Most of us. Let me play it. Just <laughs> 
What for Pedro show? That chunk of music start off with most of us. Ryan Carr. Sorry. Damn, what? Ray Shin out of Reno with Regret the Common Man. And then finally Ryan Carr again with You Gravitate. Yeah, and is this coming from the same kind of place you were in, like with the first chunk that we played before? Beginning yeah, like um, those... Um... Those pieces, especially most of us, uh, which shout out to uh, Rose Hagel, who's the vocalist that took on that. Really piece. good, really good. Oh, absolutely insane! But those pieces, like I, I've always been in, as a performer, I've always been interested in performance psychology, specifically like creating areas through composition where I'm asking performers to play things that are, you know, basically physically impossible. <laughs> Um, to like, it's like, you know, if it's, I always imagine like, you know, a skilled carpenter, you know, they go into their workshop and they know where everything is. They know how every tool works right. and they have a sense of comfort and habit that they've developed with their environment and their skill. But yeah. I always imagine them walking into their workshop one day and everything's been rearranged and they have different tools and the instructions are in different languages. Like there's still a skilled carpenter, but it's going to, they're going to struggle through the process that they would normally breeze through. 
And yeah, like the handles. Special with that, like you can, it, especially in music where you can see the performer as they're kind of struggling through music they may not see until they walk on stage, um, or that they may not be able to practice efficiently. And there's this uh, element of vulnerability as long as it's mutual that the performer, you know, is into that. Um, uh, I think there's like an element of beauty um, to that, and that's what those pieces are trying to kind of speak to or mess around with. Well, like with Rose, how did you communicate the piece? It, did you use traditional scores or the graphic scores? Is it just spiel like pep talk? Or? Yeah, so that score is actually pretty. It's a pretty notated. So there's um, the text is there's three different texts that are intercut. Um, so that it's so. Um, uh, there's three different texts that are intercut. There's, uh, the, the actions of like the tongue, the throat constriction, like if it's normal, if it's ingressive, like she's inhaling, if it's kind of a metal scream and the pitch contour are all separate. So they're all proceeding as if they're different instruments, but all occurring in some, you know, someone's a single vocal tract and you can kind of hear that conflict as someone's trying to internalize this massive information um, that's on the page that, you know, a fraction of it comes out. And so it's different every time. I guess intent is nine tenths of the law here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, cause what you're looking for is by setting up this situation, what will be the, you know, you're going to learn by doing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I always like being surprised, you yeah. know, as, as well, like, um, uh, you know, for me, like, I don't want my compositions to kind of be um, kind of set in stone or like a map. Like, I think I took that element from jazz of the improvisation and the uh, uh, how everything kind of evolves from every time it's performed. Like, I think that piece has an identity. It's been performed by a lot of different vocalists. And if I was a blind listener, I could tell that it's the same piece. Uh, but there's always a different kind of characteristic, which I think the individual who's interacting with it um brings to it which i i think is you know one of the main things that interests me about music yeah there's not an end game that's re you know designed to be realized it's more like you're set up launch pads springboards to see what happens yeah I, I like to think of my scores as like provoking something to happen as opposed to prescribing a specific thing to happen right like everybody will wet, wet their pants when this is done <laughs> that's the goal yeah <laughs> no no it's a trip man see that's that's exciting stuff about create creative expression you know it's just and and then other people if they ain't bit by that bug they, they'll never understand they well what what's to it you know what i mean it's a, what, what's it aesthetic right it's aesthetics mm -hmm. not so much well maybe it is built on ethic but aesthetic for sure and if you ain't got that maybe yeah you just got to wait till you develop it we're at the end of the second really interesting ryan thanks so much we're at the end of the second hour april 21 2023 just walk peter so special guest ryan carr hold tight for hour three april 21 2023 it's third hour of the lot for peter Show.
lot from Pinocchio. Start off the third hour with Ryan Carr with nine Thermidor. Just talking about that off air, people. Thermidor's heavy month. You probably wanted to go by very quickly. <laughs> After that, uh, Jason Stein, Damon Smith, and Adam Sheed with the non-dimension of the present. And then Pangolin. God, did I pronounce that right? Pangolin? Uh, pangolin, it's a type of animal. Yeah, I know. It's, it might have been. It's kind of like a, a armadillo, people. It's got kind of like armor, but it's an Asian. And it might have been involved with the COVID-19, like a bat bit one or something. It's one of the theories, anyway. But that, that's how I know this animal. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd be eating it at the wet market, though. Uh, so uh, what it, t- tell us about these pieces here. Yeah, so those uh, Nine Thermidor and Pangolin are both from uh, my first uh, record that I did uh, kind of back in 2016 when I was just graduating Berkeley. It's a record called Vocturnal. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and like that was my first kind of uh, recording experience of my own material. Um, so if I had it was... together, I would have played that first instead of in the third hour. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all right. <laughs> I didn't know the chronology. I think I went in the length of the pieces. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay. So you were in just a whole different headspace at that time, right? Yeah, okay. But I, obviously, th- threads maintained through and the experiences. Okay, okay. L- l- let's leave that East Coast part. You come out West again, right? You could uh, further your education. What do you do as far as... Do you got bands going or are you just immersed in the education while you're doing it? Yeah. So like I moved out West, uh, to do my uh, doctorate at the university of Washington. So again, in music composition. Um, and yes, like when I was uh, doing that, you know, I finished last June. uh, So almost a year ago, which makes me feel very old. Um, (laughs) less younger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I moved out here and I was yeah mostly doing studies and like I was really immersed in composition at that time. And most of the um, composition work I would be doing would be for uh, kind of European ensembles or ensembles back on the East Coast, which is, you know, the beauty of composing is that you can write on the West Coast for an ensemble on the East Coast. Yeah, beautiful. And especially during COVID, that was a very kind of valuable um, element of the being a composer that allowed me to keep kind of working. Um, and have you and seen I, that develop the way you make, uh, you know, communicate your pieces to people? You think it's evolved, especially during the situation? Um, yeah, I think so. so um, I mean, especially when I wasn't allowed to be, you know, in the same room during right. rehearsal, because usually I like to know the people that are playing my music. Right. I don't like to write just for kind of instruments. Like I don't want to write just for the violin. I want to write for that specific violin player. That's great. Um, That's great. Um, so that often involves, you know, an, a, a period of collaboration, of, you know, going out to lunch or coffee with people and kind of, you know, understanding where they're coming from. Yeah, you know where you see that? You see that with some filmmakers. You could tell the part that they pick for that actor is based on what, the, you know, the way that cat feels about that actor. To- yeah, totally. I remember in uh, Pulp Fiction, right? A guy I don't really dig, uh, the action guy. That was a good spot he picked for him, Bruce Willis. 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Ter- you know, most ter- I couldn't stomach, but for that sitch. And so I know what you mean. So when you, you remove that way, it's really abstract to connect with your performers. It, it was, but I tried to em- try to embrace the abstraction, like during that period of, uh, you know, giving, you know, limited instructions, uh, seeing what, you know, since p- performers had a lot of time to kind of marinate with the piece. Yeah. Um, and, you know, seeing what they would bring to it on their own and try to get them, get to know them through that way, as opposed to prior to, um, constructing the piece and giving them a piece that was kind of abstract and, um, not talking to them too much before the piece. And once I hear the piece, um, kind of debriefing with them about why they made certain decisions. So kind of doing a reverse engineering yeah. type of thing. Did you get surprised when the, the, you heard the things realized? I did, yeah. Like so, the the, the most recent thing um, I did in, in that vein was uh, down in Eugene, in Oregon, um, which is where the connect comes from. I was down there for uh, their music festival. <laughs> we did this piece called uh, Rosetta, which uh, instructs the performers to create their own language, like a legit functioning language Whoa. Uh, that they only know. Um, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then what they do is they go on stage and they can only talk in that language that they've created and they need to tell the, tell the audience a joke and the audience seems to understand the joke for the piece to be done. Um, so they end up using, you know, props and PowerPoint presentations and they just walk on stage <laughs> making these strange sounds. And I didn't know what the language beforehand, I just, was just there on the audience. I told them not to, I don't want to see any rehearsals. I didn't want to hear anything about the language. And yeah. it was very confusing, which uh, I enjoyed. <laughs> oh, right, right. That's great. You got a piece here called Gdansk I want to play.
Lot for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Started the chunk off with Gdansk, Ryan Caraher. Then Eugene Chadbourne, Professor Eugene Chadbourne, Greensboro, North Carolina, with Snub Mosley Memorial. Finally, Ryan Caraher with Daherlog. Daherlog. There's some kind of printing process, right, or something. I think like it's a Daguerrelog, I think it is. Okay, it's, like yeah. a, it's a, a neologism, a made-up word by a oh, linguist. It's, it's, a, it's a piece of uh, linguistics, people. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know how to pronounce it either. It, it's yeah, the type of piece. <laughs> there's something with a spelling close to that that's an early way of... It was named after a dude, uh, some early photographic thing, and I just fucked that up. Anyway, wh- what's next for you? Uh, currently, uh, I'm working, uh, on a solo guitar record. Um, I've kind of stepped away from the guitar recently for like the you know past few years. So I've been trying to rekindle, uh, my relationship with that through, uh, kind of exploring different sounds through a bunch of weird pedals and techniques I've kind of developed over the years. So that's the, uh, kind of main thing on the chopping block these days. And, uh, can people find out about you on the internet? Do you have a website? Yes, yeah, uh, RyanCarraher.com, so that's a C-A-R-R-A-H-E-R for the right. last name, and uh, everything's up there. Right, R-Y-A-N, too, people, if you're not used to that name. Uh, you're going to make a record, a solo guitar record. Correct, yeah. Yeah, and where do you, where are you going to record it, at home or in a studio or what? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing the kind of recording on uh, my own here at, uh, at my place. And uh, I'm going to probably give it to someone, you know, who knows what they're doing when it comes to mixing and mastering. Um, and then, yeah, I have a few friends that, you know, uh, have, you know, label connects or run labels. So I'll do some uh, label shopping when the time comes. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been very uh, kind of satisfying so far to kind of dive back into guitar land. Yeah, and when I hear solo guitar, but mixing, you're going to layer up or just, it's not going to be just one guitar? No, so it's the rule, like, so what I've been doing is sometimes they're just, you know, improvisations or something I compose that I play all the way through in one sitting. Other times I go through this kind of trove of improvisations that I've accrued, you know, over the past year and I find sounds that I like and I chop them up and create these collages. But the idea, the limitation I'm giving is that even if I edit something together, you know, in, in the DAW, um, it needs to be playable by one person. So if this was to be played, it needs to be playable by one guitar player with, you know, pedals and or objects. Uh, so it can't be like a layered soundscape or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. And, and limitations are important. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right, because it gives focus to your, to the piece, to the, the work. Yeah, I mean, I'm usually a very slow composer, um, especially, you know, when there are no limitations. You just kind of want to bang your head against the wall because uh, the kind of world is your oyster. and But it's also kind of terrifying at the same time because uh, you don't know which path no, to go I've down. Heard, I've heard of nightmares. What happened with Steve Marriott, happened with Jimmy, a Seattle guy, right? They mm-hmm. had too much control, creative control, and so they got nothing done. It was all these loose ends. 
Yeah, like you keep like going down different paths and then right. backtracking to go down another path and you want to go back down to the first right. path and right. then you just abandon it and then uh, it's just a massive <laughs> headache and it's not um, kind of a pleasing experience. So some limitations uh, that challenge you but also don't drive you crazy is the kind of sweet spot. Okay. And when you get done, can I put an invite? Will you come on the show? We can play it and talk about it? Absolutely. Oh, love I love that. It. Okay. Um, the invite's on then. Thank you so much, Ryan, for being on the show, and I can't wait to have you back. People, April 21, 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>